0: And welcome to Across the County. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me. Well, we're trying to give you unique perspective and things that can get you to think and take the coronavirus, the COVID-19 virus, not just seriously, but really get you to understand how important and devastating it actually is. I was on FoxNews.com a little bit earlier today and saw an article from Christopher Carbone Frightening cell phone heat map shows coronavirus potential spread as spring break revelers went home. And read the article, it'll blow your mind. But mainly what I got off of it are the statistics. Uh, 593,291 confirmed cases. People that have recovered, there's a lot, 130,915 27,198 deaths. The rest, obviously, in flux. Check out the the, the heat map there. It'll it'll really blow your mind. But what I wanted to do for this segment of Across the County is turn to one of my great friends, uh, Rick Elkin. He's an author, a political commentator, and uh, has a lot of great insight on such events. And I was perusing his book, Turn Right at Lost, Recalculating America, and in there, in uh, the first page, actually, he talks about how September 11th would be a special day in his life. It would be a day that would change the paradigm in our nation. And just take us in a whole nother direction. That's my summary. And it's very similar to what's going on right now in the nation across the world with this virus. America is changed Uh, when we're at the end of this and we will get to the end of this. America is never going to quite be the same. So Rick Elkin, he's my guest. He's on the show across the county with me right now. I'm going to give the floor over actually to Rick for the next eight minutes or so and let him just give a commentary on what he thinks is going on. Rick, thanks for coming on in and uh, giving us your perspective.
1: Thanks for having me, Noah. I always enjoy speaking with you. Well, yeah, let us let us know what you're was, thinking
0: about these trying times, sir.
1: Well, that book was really um, a long time in coming after I didn't write it until uh, the middle of 2013 and 14, but um, I, I, I wanted to point out how that's why I call it recalculating America because you know how you listen to your GPS and all of a sudden you go the wrong direction, it says, uh oh, you know, recalculating. And I thought, you know, there are certain moments in our world history and in our country's history and in, in our own personal lives where we have to recalculate, and, and it's, there are paradigm shifts. And of course, nine eleven for Americans, I think, was one of those moments. And there's been many. I, as a kid, um, the Kennedy assassination, and I mentioned that in the book. And I was thirteen years old, and it had a huge impact on me. And I know the morning of nine eleven, it had a huge impact on my kids who were in their, um, You know, one of them was nine. And, one of them was 12, so they were, it was a big deal to them, and I believe to this day it's had an impact on them. And I think this is something that um, will have the same kind of a long-term impact on our children. I mean, imagine what children are thinking right now with this coronavirus when you cannot turn the television on without hearing something pretty scary Uh, And, you know, 9-11 happened, and uh, and for probably three months, it dominated the news, and it had all the funerals and all the long-term impact that happened with with Manhattan being pretty much in ruins, and all the families that were affected, and it took months to find their bodies and so forth. And, And so kids saw that, and that had a long... Well, this, you know, potentially could have an even longer term, and as it stands right now, we've all been in lockdown for a couple of weeks. Kids aren't going to school. Just imagine what this is doing to young minds when they are already in a sort of an era of um, uh, instability to see this future that looks so bleak to them, and so I worry about the psychological impact of this. I, you know, clearly I'm worried about anybody I know and, you know, my family and myself, you know, getting this thing. Um, But I think even more so if we do this right and most of us will survive it and we will get past it, but what will the long-term changes to our psychology, the way we deal with each other, the way we deal with illness um, and, and life and death, especially on young people. And I believe that we have a generation of young people right now that are particularly sensitive to this kind of stuff. You know, we call them snowflakes. But where did that, where did that term come from? I believe it has a lot to do with the PTSD that we suffered after 9-11 and this kind of sensitization and protectiveness that we've um, put over a blanket over our children to try to protect them all these bad things in the world. And they get to the point where they can't protect themselves. They can't really even psychologically deal with setbacks. I heard a a perfect example. was the other day I heard a news person ask Trump, "Um, when will this be over? I need to know, when is this going to be over? And, you know, Trump looked at him like, what kind of a question is that? You know, how am I supposed to answer that, first of all? Second of all, you need to know this? What, does this world revolve around you? And this is, I think, really indicative of um, part of the problem we have with our media and the way they deal with this is our media is made up of these kids from nine eleven, and and they are – they, do, they are kind of narcissistic. They do have this attitude that the world revolves around them, and they need to know when this is going to be over. Like, hey, man, I can't, I can't deal with this. Can't you tell me when this is going to get over with so that I can move on? Um, so, so it's a frustrating uh, situation that we're confronted with, and, and uh, you, you had mentioned that I, I wrote an article not too long ago, uh, a newspaper article or op-ed, Uh, about how it's very hard right now for me and a lot of us to trust the media. I think the media has, in a lot of ways, um, lost their credibility, uh, especially in the last two or three years. But it's something that's been growing for a long time. Uh, They're so eager to cover the, um, the absurd, the profane, the um, attention-grabbing headlines, they're all in competition to be the first one to get the most obscene headline out there. You know, in the industry, they, they have a saying they call if it "bleeds, it leads." This is what the news has become. They become um, industry the whole industry is about grabbing headlines and grabbing market share, grabbing audience share. And to the extent that they honestly don't even seem to care about the truth anymore. And sometimes they'll say things that are provably false, and then later they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, we withdrew that. Yeah, we, you know, uh, sorry about that. We changed that on our website. Meantime, that headline's out there. Millions of people saw it. Most of them will not see their correction. And we go on. And uh, so I think this is a, a cultural problem that we're all being faced with nowadays is who can we trust what where do we turn for truth uh, especially about things like this this virus and how are we supposed to deal with it um, I mean you can there's how many channels out there you can look at them all and you're going to get at least 40 or 50 different versions of uh, where the what the status is you know um, how many cases there are how many people are surviving it, how many people are dying from it where is the where is it mostly at? What should we do? How do you avoid getting it? You know, um, are giving rest, they are giving advice for people to uh, wear a mask and wear gloves. Uh, and yet they don't mention that if you're in an area where that you're adjacent to someone who has it, that a virus can land on the mask or land on your gloves. And then you touch yourself with your gloves and guess what you're, you're contaminated. So there is no real way to completely insulate yourself from this other than staying away from anybody who happens to have it. And what that means is staying away from everybody right now because nobody knows who's got it and who doesn't. And uh, I think this is a frightening kind of a prospect. That uh, It's very difficult for a lot of people, especially young people, to uh, comprehend. And so what do they do? They kind of dismiss it. And they take it lightly and make jokes about it and, they're, you know, go back to their social media and all that. And, um, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways that's sort of a way of um, denial. Uh, and we won't see the results of that for months or years.
0: Noah here on across the county and you just hit on a great point, Rick, and that's the seriousness that the youth is taking this whole situation with the COVID-19 virus. I was driving by the uh, beach area, the cliff area here in San Diego, Sunset Cliffs, you might know it uh, the other week, Mm -hmm. and I was astounded. I just went for a drive, wasn't even going to get out of my car. And the amount of people that I saw in large groups, way more than 10, partying because it was nice weather out and having a barbecue and having a grand old time astounded me. So the fact that you just said that the youth may be dismissing it, I think that is spot on. I think they think they're invincible and that life is going to just go on as is and everything's going to be okay. And they don't need to do anything to change to adapt to what's going on.
1: Well, I know we have some evidence of that. I know there was uh, quite a few uh, young people who came down with it after the uh, spring break in Florida. Uh, And so that, that was actually a week or so ago. So maybe we're beyond that now. And I think a lot... You know, the cities have put up signs beach beaches closed. Um, where I walk my dog, I, I go over to a park near me and I went over there today. And, you know, it's wide open. There's nobody out there, but they have a big sign up now. The whole park is closed. So, you know, now you can't go there, even though there's nobody there anyway. Um, you can't go there at all. I think that's partly because they have swing sets and stuff like that, and they don't want kids on that. So that all makes sense. So, you know, I just I found an area where I can just sort of walk on the sidewalk around the neighborhood and there's nobody there. But, you know, I think we have to be serious about this because if we don't take this serious, especially for this first, you know, what they've said, what, 15 days or so, and we're sure. now, what, about 10 days into that, that's a smart move. I think you've got to just clamp down right away, bend that curve down, then reassess. Um, but that means everybody's got to cooperate, and, you know, it is, it's is—it's very hard. There's so many um, uh, temptations to yeah. ignore that. You know, oh, I need to go get some groceries, or, you know, i got to get my car washed, or I need to get some gas. So right before this thing, about 10 days ago, I think it was, uh, I went to Costco to fill up. And as I'm sitting there in line, it was a huge line. I mean, it was the longest line I've ever seen. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, you know, look at everybody there grabbing the handle of that gas thing and sticking it in their car and then putting it back. And the next guy comes along and grabs it, and sticks it in their car and puts it back. Does anybody clean their hands right after that? Does anybody clean the handle? No. You no. Know, all it takes is one person out of this whole line of people who just got back from a trip to who knows where and has been exposed and has it, doesn't know they have it, won't know for a week maybe or more. Uh, but in the meantime, that handle—I've seen quite a few uh, social media things lately about that—that that gas handles are really a, a really a bad situation because so many people touch them and don't even think about that as a problem, and it can be especially metal. Apparently, the virus lo- lives on metal outside for about 10 days and that's one of the longest places where it can survive as opposed to a cardboard box only lasts about two days um, that's really strange but anyway it's just one of those kind of things where it, taking it seriously the best way to do it is stay home ground yourself for trying, right. and figure out a way to deal with that and you know it's like sending your kid to their room Think about that now, you know, for us, old folks staying around a house for two weeks is about driving me up the wall. <laughs> Imagine if you're a sixteen year old kid and your parents say you're grounded for two weeks well, yeah. that's a long prison <laughs> yeah,
0: my Somebody kids are in like their that. early twenties, Rick, and they're having a hard time just going they're, they're still they're luckily time. enough be able they're able to have their jobs and also considered essential services, but they are tempted, and a couple of times they have tried to go out and I quickly have to try and rein them in. I'm like, guys, that might be boring. I understand that. I don't want to just go to work and come home and, you know, put that on repeat five days a week. But right now as a nation, we don't have a choice. And if we all don't do that, this is never going to get better. And hopefully they come up with a vaccine, you know, sooner rather than later. But until then we have to do what we have to do. And I'm telling the youth right now, Uh, You know, your beach barbecues, your, you know, hang out at the park, you're hanging out with your friends in your favorite, uh, you know, restaurant parking lot after you picked up some food. Can't do that right now, guys. You can't do it. It's going to affect us. It might not affect you. You might even get the virus and you may not show signs or, you know, quickly get over them. Do you have a parent? Do you have a grandparent? Because if you do and you come into contact with them, it's game over.
1: That's exactly right. That's the problem. It's the multiplier. And so what we have to do is bend that curve down, uh, cut down on the multiplier, and buy time so that the scientists can come up with a vaccine or treatment to then be able to start really eradicating the problem. Uh, because if we don't buy that time, then the health system becomes so overwhelmed that they don't even have time to do that. Right. So this is this is the strategy. I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm trying to do that. I'm, I'm grounded. And I've had quite a few uh, you know, temptations. People saying, well, why don't we meet for lunch or something? Like, no, 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 man, you can't do that. You know, I mean, well, can't we just uh, maybe we could just sit in our car? No, you know, really be honest about this deny yourself. Can you do that just for one two-week period? And then we'll reevaluate as a nation, we'll reevaluate how effective this uh, social distancing system has worked, and we'll come up with the next uh, strategy based on the effect of that. And that's what you need to do. That gives them time to gather data, to do research, to test um, drugs, all these different things. You've got to do it this way. There's no other choice and you have to take this seriously. Think about the people who've already lost a loved one that, you know, I just read a story this morning about, you know, 44 year old dad of six kids, perfectly healthy, really health fanatic, good eater, all that stuff, doing absolutely nothing wrong, raising a family. In 24 hours, he was gone. I mean, once it hit him, he was gone. Wow. And now that family of six, is fatherless. And nobody knows where he got it or whatever, but it could have been from just a good friend of his that he recently saw or was real close to or touched or whatever. And so that's why we have to be serious about this because, you know, we gotta, we've got to bend that curve down and then we'll reevaluate down the road and see where we're at. I think they're doing a lot of work right now on some, you know, new drug combinations and hopefully a vaccine and all that thing. All that does, though, is it takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. Right. um, And uh, everybody needs to contribute. Uh, One of the things you and I talked about before the show was that I think a lot of good things will come out of this. Because, number one, it really shows how Americans can step up when they need to. As Americans, as a team, I call it Team America. Team America
0: is very resilient, uh, very resilient.
1: Very resilient, and once we stop thinking about all of our own selfish little political, you know, issues, and we start thinking about survival, it's a whole different, you know, paradigm. And so this is a good thing in that respect. I I try to find some positives, and I think if there is any, that might be one of them. Yeah, when it comes to crunch
0: time, Americans really always pull together. And uh, just based off of what you just said as well, I mean, I finally, I know somebody directly that uh, may have the virus. It's not confirmed, but again, they're in the UK. They can't get tested. They're not allowed to go to hospital, as they call it, until they're in critical condition. So right now, he's quarantined himself, even from his family. It's wait and see. Uh, shout out to Martin. Uh, praying for you, buddy. And uh, you know, I've known him through podcasting for a number of years, and when it affects you directly, I already took this seriously. Yeah. This is a very serious issue for me right now. It's directly affecting my life, and we should all think that way. Every life is important.
1: Yeah, and we're setting uh, a standard for our children, and they look to us as adults How are we dealing with this? Are we acting like adults or are we acting like children? And I think this is really, really important, even for us, like myself. You know, my children are now adults and they have their children. But I think it's really important to set the standard very high and then they, in turn, do the same thing with their little children. Now, obviously, little tiny kids are, you know, five years old or younger. They don't even really know what's going on. But they can sense fear in their parents, confusion, um, you know, that this is a sense thing for them. That's why they're little sponges. You know, they soak this stuff up. They don't need to necessarily be able to speak well or understand language really well, but they can tell from the look on their parents' face what's going on, from their body language what's going on. So this is important that we act like adults. We do the right thing. We follow the rules that we've set so that they we can show them that following the rules has positive um, impacts. Hmm. And I think this is a, a lesson that, you know, a lot of us baby boomers in particular, you know, we've had sort of a of development. We've been able to act like teenagers. We want to stay teenagers all our life, but we can't do that right now. We aren't teenagers in this moment. We need to be adults. And, and even if you don't know how to do that, you need to act like one. <laughs> You've seen enough movies about adults. Pretend to be one if you don't know any other way, so that your children aren't scared to death.
0: That's right. You you, you got you to gotta fake it till you make it. And right now, if I'm sorry, if you, if you don't do that, you're gonna see some dire consequences. You got to step up to the plate. Rick Elkin with us right here on uh, just a, a, an issue that I think is tremendously important, and that's why I knew I had to go to him. Across the county, I'm Noah. Turn Right at Lost, Recalculating America. It's one of my favorite books that he's written, and the first chapter is called Reorientating, and that's something that we're going to have to do as a nation as we get uh, into the latter stages of this. Hopefully, we get there sooner rather than later. Uh, rickelkin.com if you want to check out some of his other books. Rick, uh, we just got a moment together left and you mentioned earlier how the media right now is having a hard time with people trusting it even with all this information going out there and that's a disservice. So my question to you is as we wrap up is how can the media gain the trust of the public once again?
1: Well, you know, one of the things I've noticed is that they're all doing this. Most of them now are broadcasting from their home, the news people. Um, that's important that so they're taking this seriously too. They're demonstrating that they're following the guidelines that have been set. Um, so that helps reestablish them as part of the community. This is what they need to do is establish themselves as being part of us, not just the three ring circus that we look at. They need to, to join us in this battle and that will help them. I believe reestablish credibility and a bond with their their uh, consumers their their audience and, and they need that uh, you know it's, because this is going to take this thing can be a big help to re- help them recapture what they've kind of wasted i think in the last three or four years
0: where can if people want to find your latest article that we were talking about a little bit earlier where can people find that
1: just go to my website com. i have all my uh, articles listed on there um, and, uh, you know, you'll find it when you get there under media.
0: Well, thanks for the, for the commentary that, uh, you gave us on this show. I know you're trying to do more of that and I appreciate you, uh, coming on my show and, and chatting with me because this is an issue that I know takes some keen minds to get to the other end of the tunnel. And if we all come together and we all stay unified, Rick, I know we can get through this. It's a, it's, it's about that unity. We got to have hundred percent of the people on this train all the time.
1: That's right, man. We're all on the same team on this one.
0: Well, we're going to have you back on, I think, in a few weeks, and we're going to take a different perspective on this whole thing. We're going to get a little bit more political. Right now, I just want to leave the politics out of it, but it gets you to think, and we'll talk about that next time. So, Rick, thanks for coming on across the county, and we'll uh, see you on your next appearance.
1: All right, Noah. Thanks again.
0: It's Noah right here. It's across the county. We'll be uh, podcasting this episode soon, so stay tuned for that. There's more coming up.